EI and U is produced by PLS, a leadership and organizational development firm in central New York, offering an array of services to affect both individual and organizational transformation. In this series, we explore why emotional intelligence is important from a leadership and organizational development perspective. Good leaders are willing to be led. Good teachers are willing to be taught. And effective influencers are willing to be influenced. This competency is not about the organizational chart and where you sit in relation to the president and the senior leadership of the organization. We all have influence and can influence in many different ways. What is emotional intelligence, or EI as it's often called, and how can it help a business improve its performance? What are the elements? How can it be strengthened? Welcome to EI and You. I'm your host, Mark Mangicaro, and over the course of this series, we are discovering the answer to those questions and so much more. Joining me again are Ralph Simone and Cindy Massengill, experts in the field of emotional intelligence. Influence is power. It's often hard to measure and probably harder to master. Yet, when you influence someone or something, you are to one degree or another changing the course of history. Absolutely. And that's the definition of this competency. It's the ability to change and affect decisions, to grow people, grow organizations. Exact definition of the competency. You're changing the course of history. What are some effective ways to become more influential? Well, two, two areas that really come to mind are, number one, building relationships and getting to understand people, what, what drives people, what people are motivated for, what motivates people, um, just building rapport and relationships with other people so that you can appeal to their self-interest. The second way is to really hone your communication skills as it relates to five key areas. One is how you explain something, which is giving the big picture, the why. Another is how you give advice. The other is direction, consequences, and then last is giving feedback. All of those areas, really honing how you communicate in those five areas to be a strong influencer. And around communication, really pay attention to, are you using strong influencing words or weak influencing words? So if you remember from Star Wars, Yoda to Luke Skywalker, there is no try. Do or don't do, right? And so this whole idea of, notice if you're saying try, could you try to get back to me? So, so pay attention to the strength of the influencing words you use to be persuasive. So Ralph, might we intentionally want to be stronger sometimes when we're influencing people and then maybe other times be a little bit more subtle? Oh, I think absolutely. And I think that's where empathy comes in, reading the situation. Um, you know, what is your intention? Is your intention to develop the person? Is your intention to get them to support your direction? So I think, uh, I think paying attention to the language you use, but in the context of the situation at hand. And if there's someone with whom 
we maybe occasionally lock horns. Is that maybe a time when we want to dial back our our amount of influence or our perceived amount of influence to try and get them to go along? Well, that, that's, that's interesting, and I think I would refer to that as an Aikido move. And so use their energy, maybe not be so confrontive, might be a way to influence someone that you've had a history of uh, butting heads with. So I think it's really important to, if we go back to the self-management competencies, that to be able to adapt in the moment and to be able to have a strategy of influence that works. You know, remember, this model is all about performance and results. And so we need to have a, a kind of full array of ways in which we influence other people. When I think about the influence competency, it appears to me that at its essence, it's really persuasion. Since one of Aristotle's three modes of persuasion was pathos or emotion, is it safe to say from an EI perspective that that is the mode which interests us most? And before you answer, maybe I should just kind of explain to people that maybe aren't familiar with the Aristotelian modes, is that he said there are three modes of persuasion. Logic, by if I wanted to appeal to you to wear your coat, I'd say, Cindy, it's cold outside. If you don't put your coat on, then you're going to get cold, so you need to wear a coat. Or I could appeal emotionally. I could say, Cindy, I want you to be healthy. I want you to be in, you know, maintain your health, so please wear a coat when you go outside. I don't want you to get sick. Or I could appeal to you from an ethical standpoint and say, Cindy, if you go outside without a coat on and you catch cold, then Ralph's going to have to cover for you at work. And, you know, that's not right. That would be the right thing to do. I'm, it's three different ways to get you to do the same thing. Mark, you've just inspired me or influenced me to go and put my coat on from that example. But I love that. I love the comparison of, of this uh, concept from Aristotle in relation to influence specifically influence today in the workplace. A lot of people look at their, um, their, how, their ability to influence from a personality style perspective. Or uh, another way to look at that would be their Myers-Briggs type indicator, also known as the MBTI. A lot of leaders know what their Myers-Briggs type indicator. One of the dichotomies is how how and what we base our decisions on, our preference to decision-making. Some people have the preference of going more logical, which is referred to as thinking. Some people have the preference of starting first with the feeling side of basing their decisions on the impact of people first. We use both, but we have preferences of either one. So when you talk about this example from the concepts from from Aristotle. Thinking and feeling are two of the key components to this whole competency, this whole influence competency. And so if my Myers-Briggs type indicator or my MBTI preference is to use my thinking first when I'm when I'm making decisions, then it's an opportunity, two opportunities there. One, to leverage that strength, that preference, but to also make sure that I'm also integrating the feeling side of decision-making as well and how I influence. And then it works the opposite as well. If, if my preference is to go and think about the feeling and how it impacts people first when I'm making decisions, there's an opportunity for me to use that, to leverage that, 
as I influence people, as well as honing the thinking and logic side of influence. Let's fast forward a couple of thousand years. Why was Gandhi such an influential leader? And do you also think he was inspirational? Well, he, he was uh, a relationship builder. He made uh, decisions based on values. Uh, in, in studying him historically, he uh, connected with people by acknowledging and validating their concerns, specifically about being fingerprinted, right? Um, so he, I think he was very influential. In fact, what's interesting to me about being uh, influential, it requires us to be willing to be influenced. Uh, I think good leaders are willing to be led Good teachers are willing to be taught, and effective influencers are willing to be influenced. And, uh, you know, I found Gandhi very influential and inspirational because he did not just connect at the head level, but he also connected at the heart and soul. And if we want to judge it by results, right, he, he was able to marshal the resources to bring the entire British Empire to its knees, I think that's pretty inspirational and influential. And I think we can really appreciate the influence that Gandhi had, especially today, looking back. He was really someone who, he, he believed in this concept of nonviolent civil disobedience. And today, now today, in Heinz and, and looking back in history, we can see that he maintained that course. He never veered off that course. He started with that message, and he, st he stuck through it in very challenging times. And following him, we can, in the history books, we read about different activists and leaders in our history who followed that same course that Gandhi followed in this idea about nonviolent civil civil disobedience. So it's been very... Like King? Yes, like, King? like Martin Luther King. And it's been something that has really impacted since Gandhi. You can see it over time, just um, how different leaders have chosen to lead through nonviolent civil disobedience. It's been very influential in how leaders lead. So using this competency, your influence can even outlast you. Absolutely. When we uh, work with leaders in uh, transforming themselves in their organizations, we ask them to think about the three ecosystems in which they operate. So it's the company they lead, but it's also the communities that they're part of and the families that they are also part of. And so when we think about influence, it extends well beyond the organizations that you have a title in. It seems to me that the influence competency is one of those that could just as easily be used for evil as for good. Is that something that leaders need to worry about when they're trying to develop the influencing competency within their organization? You know, I think it's uh, interesting. It takes us back to Aristotle, right? There's an, there's an ethical uh, guidance that we need or the moral compass by which to make all our decisions. And, and I think that we need to uh, 
be clear, and we need to find a way in our organizations to give voice to values and to make sure that those values are aligned with timeless principles of respect and fairness. While performance is the goal, performance is a consequence of doing the right things for the right reasons. Well, what would get in the way of people being more influential within their organization? One of the biggest things that get gets in people's way is because they believe they can't be influential from because of where they sit on an organizational chart, which is which is absolutely wrong and is a, a limiting belief and can really limit someone and prevent someone from being inf- influential when they really do have a lot of influence. Sit, the, this competency is not about the organizational chart and where you sit in relation to the president and the senior leadership of the organization. We all, we all have influence and can influence in many different ways. So pragmatically, though, it is about getting people to follow your lead. We have way too much wasted energy in organizations because they're misaligned. And the better I get as a leader influencing and aligning my human resources, the more effective we will be, the healthier the bottom line will be. EI and You is produced by PLS. Executive Producer, Ralph Simone. Research Director, Cindy Massengill. Technical Assistance provided by Matt Langley. I'm Mark Mangicaro. For more information on emotional intelligence and other leadership development tools, visit discoverpls.com.